I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petum here as always. And as always, I am joined by Danny Raza and Simon O'Regan as well. And of course, we're here to talk about... Aston Villa nil, Wolves nil. Uh, we'll try to basically go as for as long as we can on this one because I really don't know how much you can get out of a nil-nil. Maybe that's not the greatest advertisement for a podcast. But nonetheless, if you want to be so kind, uh, leave a five-star review on uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast. I really need to start mentioning that more. So if you can do that, it's always appreciated. And thank you to those who have already done so. First and foremost, actually, let's go to uh, Simon first. We'll, we'll change things up. We'll, we'll throw Danny off his game. Simon, how's it going? Uh, yeah, not too bad, thanks. Um, I suppose, as you said, nil-nil yesterday. It's not an awful lot to talk about. I thought, first half, obviously, I thought we were very, the much better team. Wolves, much better in the second half. So, can't really complain with the results in the end. I think it was fair. Yeah, fair enough. Danny, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. I was just telling you guys before the recording that I've got a little bit of a neck ache because I've spent my entire weekend playing Red Dead Redemption, um, which for some reason I've just got in the year 2021. Um, but yeah, no, I watched a bit of football. The nil-nil, you know, it was, uh, yeah, just another game without a goal. It's like coming up to about 250 minutes without a scoring. And yeah, that's not it's not making me super comfortable. I'm just on the edge of my seat waiting, waiting to waiting to cheer um but yeah it was almost like you sent an ai out there to simulate a football match um and that's what comes out that nil nil game between us and wolves it was just a football match that's all it was uh i didn't feel anything should uh should we just talk about red dead redemption or something instead if you guys want to i'm i'm okay with we can it. do we can do yeah sure bro like I, I never i never felt so attached to a horse before i get it now like okay. i get it i get okay. i get why people want it to be cowboys that sounded really wrong at first but i'm glad you rescued that back so no bestiality <laughs> is going on here today that is very good to mark cool what, what are you talking i just i said attached to a horse what's what's wrong with that I don't know. Let's get into it because I don't know where I'm going with this. You can you tell are a weird a man, Cole I am a, a weird, weird man. weird man. It is what it is. But anyways, let's let's get into it, of course, because it's a tale of two halves, a, a Jekyll and Hyde performance, as always, when it comes to Villa, it feels like. Uh, we have a few of these a season or a number, I guess you could say a season nonetheless. But first half, well in control, well the better side. Ollie Watkins and Ezri Konza both hitting basically the same part of the crossbar somehow um, shock not to be up two nil. And then you look at the second half and it's basically like someone took a mirror and basically wolves took over a Villa's performance from the first half, much the better side Villa lacked all the create or la- yeah, I should say lacked all the creativity and you know what? They easily could have scored two as well. So Danny, I'll come to you first. I mean, I guess with everything considered the chances not taken from either side, 
you'd probably say nil nil's pretty fair. Yeah, I mean it should have been more like two all really when you think about it. But I guess nil nil it is. Um, I guess in that sense, I never really felt like any any pressure throughout that game. I just I just thought you know you you get that feeling with Villa that if they score early they'll be okay. You know if they score early they'll go ahead and win. Um, and generally we trust in our defense because it just so happens that we, you know, we have such a good goalkeeper and such good defenders. This time, to be fair, second half, we were at the mercy of, um, of, of Wolves, you know, getting in a couple of positions, which really should have been tappings. Um, and yeah, no, I'd say, I'd say no, no, the fair result in the end. I couldn't separate who was the better side, but, um, you just can't help thinking that if Villa were ahead, First half, if they're taking their opportunities, Wolves wouldn't have been able to create as much. Yeah, and Simon, I'll come to you. And I, I think the one thing to really point out for this game, I guess, first and foremost, is the midfield changed. And of course, and I guess you could say Trezeguet obviously came on as well um, into this game, uh, of course, for the injured uh, Onwar Algazi. Hopefully his toe or whatever is wrong with him is feeling much better today. Um I guess he avoided defeat. <laughs> uh, sorry, I just wanted to add that in. Jesus. I was thinking, I was thinking of that yesterday, and I thought I had to throw that in there today. So um, that took me about a full twenty-four hours to think of. But of course, midfield, we see Morgan Sanson and Dougie Louise come back in. Of course, what were your thoughts on the lineup changes, and I, I guess really on the on the first half as a whole? Uh, yeah, the lineup changes. I don't think that was a surprise to anyone really, especially given the results in midweek against Sheffield United. Um, and I, I thought it worked. You know, you know, we've all said the first half, Villa were just in complete control of that. Weren't creating chances left, right and centre, but were dominating the play and were dominating the midfield. Um, Louise and Sanson were moving the ball out about quite nicely. I was impressed with Sanson, actually. I thought, again, it wasn't the case of him doing anything spectacular, but he kept the ball moving. He got into good forward positions. and. Um, I think John McGinn had a better game as well uh, than, than he's had recently. And I think uh, it was Nuno's interview on Match of the Day after I watched like the full interview that he did for the BBC. And he was saying how in the first half, uh, Sanson and McGinn just kept breaking in behind the Wolves midfield and behind their back three and that they really struggled to cope with it. And we looked really decent in that first half. And, but, you know, like we said, we didn't take our chances. Had we done, you know, had we gone in one, Two nil up. Even if it was just one nil up, I'm sort of nearly 100% convinced we'd have seen that game out relatively comfortably. Because even Wolves, although they had the better chances in the second half, they would they both were from set pieces. I mean, the, the second one as well was a beautiful assist from Ross Barkley to set the chance up, but just at the wrong end, really. So it wasn't like they carved us open, which I mean, not many teams do, to be honest. So. It was just, it was frustrating because you sort of, at half time, I think I was sitting there thinking, this could come back and bite us on the ass here. Like, it, it's just one of those, you just know that not taking those chances could uh, could do you in. We got the draw. But um, in the first half, I think they, they looked decent. The midfield was impressive. And Sanson, you know, he's okay, he's been been with us for a few weeks now, but he, he's still getting up to the pace of the Premier League. That's his first start. And I thought he, nothing spectacular, but he, I thought he did a, a pretty decent job in there. And it is a positive option for the for the rest of the season, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think the thing here, and Danny, I'll come to you with this because 
I guess we can call this like a Jekyll and Hyde performance, and I'll probably use that as a title because I honestly am struggling to think of what to call a nil-nil. Um, so there's just my lack of creativity. But do you think it really was a Jekyll and Hyde performance, or is this Wolves growing into the game? We know this Wolves side this year is struggling a lot more, of course, key injuries, but kind of their trend seems to kind of be them coming into games near the tail end or second half. So is it just... Villa being typical Villa, or is this just a typical Wolves performance kind of nullifying our chances? No, Cole, look, I mean, yeah, we had a poor second half, but was it was it a disaster? No, I wouldn't say so. You know, the Wolves, Wolves created a couple of chances and yeah, they were the better team. Absolutely. I mean, when we when we brought on Barkley and we brought on Keenan Davis and I think when we, you know, I, I, and, and even... Ramsey as well. I think when we had the freshness on, I, th- I think to be to be fair, like during the latter part of the game, I thought actually we came into our own a bit again. Um, but really, for me, I I can't help but feel like this is five points dropped over the course of the last two games. Sheffield United should have been a win, right? No two ways about it. We lost all three points there. Um, this game against Wolves, as I say. You know, the chances should have taken first half. Shame about Ollie Watkins hitting the crossbar. Just so unlucky seven times a season. You know, how does that happen? You know, it's typical Villa just being unlucky. You know, we should be five point five points up on what, where we are. Should be two points off the top four. But it is what it is. And I think we're going to have to make our bed and lay in it and probably like chill in the mid table unless we start putting our dinner away. Do you know what I mean? Like that's that's the thing. Not finishing our dinner right now, and 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 uh, second half, as I say, Wolves, they were okay. They were they they were they were better than us, but I don't think it was terrible from our from our point of view. Just the fact of the matter is, you score you score one of those chances, and that and that doesn't happen, and that doesn't come back to bite you. Yeah, and actually, at the end, I kind of want to talk about. Uh at the end of the podcast, I should say, I kind of want to talk about where we see ourselves kind of for the rest of the season, because there's only 12 games left. But let's talk about two players that came on in Ross Barkley and Keenan Davis. We'll start with Ross Barkley. I'll give that to Simon and then I'll give Keenan Davis to Danny Raza, because I know Danny loves his strikers. He loves Big West, so I'm sure he loves Big Keenan, too. Uh, so, yeah, we'll, we'll start with Ross and we'll start with Simon, of course, going over that. Simon, where do we kind of go with Ross Barkley? I mean, a lot of people are jumping on his back. I mean, sometimes rightly so. It feels like a lot of the time kind of just seems to be the scapegoat. But I guess where do you lie with this? And evidently, is it just kind of missing Jack Grealish as one of the main factors and maybe his performances? I think there's been I think there's been certain games where he's been unfairly singled out. So I'd always go back to the Brighton game when he, he just seemed to get the brunt of all the abuse sort of on online when no one in that front four did anything in that game. But it's, get, it's just getting harder and harder to sort of mount any sort of defence for him, really. I mean, he, he came on against Sheffield United, did nothing, came on yesterday, and all he did was was set up the best chance of the game, or one of the best chances of the game for Conor Cody. Um, I... Unless he has a spectacular end to the season, I can't see in any way in which we decide to make this move permanent. Because he, when he first came to Villa, it, you know, I think we'll all agree he started off really well. Obviously, the first couple of games against Liverpool and Leicester, he did really well. Then you think of Arsenal away, 
that, that result there. He he was brilliant that day. But since he got injured, he, he's just never never come back really from it. Obviously, he got the winner against Southampton and you're thinking, okay, maybe that's going to kick him on because I thought he did quite decent in that game as well. But it's just not happening for him. And I I mean, I, I think he, obviously he it would help him a lot if Grealish is on the pitch because teams will naturally double up on him. It should give him that space. But then having said that, before Grealish got injured, they were still playing, you know, they must have played three or four games together and uh, since the turn of the year and Barkley just hasn't really done anything. So, I mean, I've kind of, I've said it before that it, there's a reason that he's on loan with Villa and not playing week in, week out for Chelsea because he's got all the ability. Everyone knows he's got the ability, but he's just, his career has been blighted with inconsistency and it's continued at Villa. And I think it's, it's another another opportunity that he's blown, to be honest. And you kind of, you look at him and, you think where where's he at mentally? Like, surely he must be with Grealish being out at the moment. He should be thinking, right, this is my time to really show what I can do. And he's just not done it at all. And it's difficult to see him having a bit, a bit of career beyond this season, to be honest. Yeah, and it's kind of sad to be honest because I feel like, unfortunately, and I mean, time will only tell. I feel like he might be stuck in that kind of Chelsea squad in the sense of I don't know if anyone's going to pay what Chelsea want for him to get him out of there ever and yeah that's, that, that's the big problem yeah that's a massive problem if they're wanting 30 40 million he's, he's, he just hasn't done enough to, to justify a fee like that and you think especially the value of signing players from abroad you know I, I, I just I can't see Villa not not looking at thinking this money can be better suited to, to boost the squads elsewhere Oh, absolutely. And uh, actually, I think there are some stats there that uh, uh, Phil, our uh, stat review guy on the 7500 Holt website, kind of wrote down in his summary. So, of course, you can always go to the website to check that out. It went up uh, earlier today, this being Sunday. Of course, you'll hear this on the Monday. So I guess yesterday. Um, But his appear. No, sorry, that was that was Sanson. Uh, here we go. Uh, Ross Barkley. He had 14 touches, 50% success rate in ground duels, zero, ta- zero tackles, one pressure, uh, one progressive carry in zero blocks. Of course, I'm not really expecting a crazy amount from him in the defensive side. And we kind of saw a perfect example of that almost setting up Connor Cody, but it's, I don't know. You can see that he wants to take on the ball. There's instances where he wants to move it forward, but I, I I don't know. It, it's just a kind of a weird conundrum. Is there anything you wanted to add it to, Danny? Yeah, I, I I think you guys are being totally unfair to to Ross Barkley. Actually, fair I, for what it's worth. For what it's worth, um, I don't think he's at fault for that goal. Ever, I know, I know. That, so basically, the ball bounces bounces his uh, bounces quite badly. You're expecting him to clear it, and yeah, he kind of tosses it back in the box. He's not the direct guy that that passes that to Cody. Right, and, and and everybody likes to throw get throw blame at Barkley for that, but nobody's throwing blame at the fact that we've been that we were giving away just idiotic fouls near the box um, all game, and that's not that's not on Barkley, you know, that's on pretty much I don't know everybody who's been who, who was giving those fouls away. There was loads of them, right? And then I, I was saying this right at some point or another, Wolves are going to score from a free kick, and um, Dean Smith's going to act dumbfounded uh, at the end of the day. Um, talking about, well, I don't know how we how we lost that game, um, but but we know that we're weak from set pieces. So 
Just saying. And I, th- I also think the thing with Barkley is, okay, he came back from, from his injury. There was a lot of pressure. Um, he, he had to do well. He didn't do so well. Dean Smith put him on the bench. Fine, right? He's on the bench now. There's opportunities for other players to come in and play. Ramsey's playing quite well. Um, Samsung came out, came out and had a good game. Now Barkley, you know, he might get the odd thirty minutes here or there, and he might get the opportunity to come and uh, to come and make a difference. But I don't know what more fans would want from him right now. He's trying to find his form. You know, maybe maybe he comes on and scores a couple of goals, and he's more confident, and he and he and he, and he does well. You know. We put a lot of blame on Ross Barkley, but nobody says anything when um, El Ghazi does nothing or when Burton Traore goes on a run of games without scoring. Oh, no, they do say it about El Ghazi. <laughs> they do. <laughs> All right, I mean, sure, sure. But I just, I, just, I, just, I just think, you know, before getting on a player's back, right, look, we've got other options. He's out of form. Fine. It's time for Sanson to come in. He's got a chance. And he played well. Um, but yeah, look, I think players need more time. One of those players is Keenan Davis, as you know, as as you um, alluded to. You know, you wanted me to to kind of chat about him as well. Um, and look, when he came on, and I think even when Barkley came on, we looked a little bit, we looked a little bit better. We looked like Ollie Watkins had more of a what would you say? Yeah, I, th- I think he 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 had more players close to him to work with. I think when when Davis came on, he pressed a little bit more. Um, it gave us a focal point up top. I think there was a couple of times where you, you know you felt like we were a little bit more dangerous with him there next to Ollie Watkins, um, and you know laying off to each other as well. I want to see that more. I want to I want to see Dean Smith be brave and say, you know what, one of these games, let's play Davis up front. Let's play Ollie Watkins as an inside forward, because you know we, we were up against a back three. And Watkins, and you saw this a couple of times, you know, from, from our players, you know, you, you're trying to get through one of them, find that hole and you can't because there's a sweeper right behind you, you know, um, and, and it's hard to get through three centre backs with one striker. Yeah, I thought I thought I thought Davis coming on gave us a little bit more of an edge. Do you think now, Danny, that we should now that we're at 40 points that we should just be a little bit more experimental in that sense, maybe try it with Davis until Wesley's back? I mean, I think with reports saying right now that he could be back after the international break. So, I mean, why not, right? I mean, I I, I was questioning, right? I, I wonder whether Davis coming on for longer, since, you know, Smith doesn't, doesn't like to throw him on that long. I wonder if Davis coming on for a longer period of time was in preparation for Wesley. I don't like to lump two strikers together, but you'd like, but you, but you think Davis and Wesley are very similar strikers, apart from the fact that Wesley's probably, you know, better in the finishing department. I wonder if Davis coming on is just kind of to, to test the waters. You know, Smith thinking, can I play with a big striker up there and Watkins, you know, to the left or or supporting him? Because, I, I mean, half the, half the game we're playing these days, Ollie Watkins is pretty much out wide. Yeah, that's true. That's yeah. So much switching. Well, yeah, that, that's what he does so well. And I think a lot of people kind of look at, uh, I guess, the lack of support around him at times and think, you know what, if we had someone kind of just shadowing around him to provide that support we're going to create more opportunities and that's all well and true but if Jack's not on the pitch if if Al Ghazi's not on the top of his game if Triore's not kind of around or can, can't use his favorite foot sometimes it just I don't know it just feels like he needs I don't want to say traditional like little man big man kind of center forward striker thing but it just it wouldn't hurt to try it, I mean, but we'll see what happens. But you just uh, wonder, don't yeah. you? Because, like, because the thing is, he because because he manages to get to the ball, right? You see him running that line, getting in behind, right? And then it's just him 
and nobody else is around him. And then he's just kind of got to run to the corner flag and wait. And by the time, you know, he's waited for Bertrand Traore or Orgazi to catch up, you know, the defenders are back. Yeah. So what can you do? He yeah. needs somebody up there to help him out when it comes to those situations. Absolutely. Simon, what do you think? Do you think Watkins and Big Wes could be the, the answer to all of our issues? <laughs> um, I don't know if I'd be going quite that far. It, it's an option that could work. I mean, Watkins, um, up, you know, he's only up until last season that he played most of his career as a wide forward, didn't he? I think he only had the one year through the middle with Brentford. So it, it's, it's certainly an option. Um, but I mean, Wesley, even if he gets a few games in the under-23s in the next few weeks, he's still going to take quite a while to get up to any sort of match fitness to be able to play in the Premier League. Um, so, I don't know. It's, it, it's certainly an option that, you know, and as you say, we kind of, we're, we're going to be more than comfortable in the league this season. I, I suppose it depends how the next few weeks go. If, if say, come the middle end of April when you'd expect Wesley to sort of be available for selection. I suppose it's how close are we to a serious sort of European spot. If, if, if obviously if that's like just completely out of the question, then I think you might be more inclined to just think, well, do you know what? We can't really finish any higher than ninth, for example, let's just see what happens. But by experiment with this, if we're still well in that mixed to sort of get a European spot, you may be. I, I can't see Smith being so experimental. I think he'd definitely he'd probably be just sticking to what's what's worked so far. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, only time will tell with these things. And heck, we it might even be longer till we see Wesley back on the pitch. We never really know what to expect now. And with the way the club kind of give us information with injuries, I mean, we never really know what's what. But uh, before we get over to the match balls, I want to go over to Twitter, of course. So, of course, you can tweet us at 7500 to Holtz after every match, or I'll try every match, I should say. Uh, we do three-word match reviews or match summaries. Uh, so this time, I think we had roughly around 50. So great, um, I guess, output, I should say, or input, um, as always. And I'll read through as many as I can, maybe around eight to ten of them. Uh, so we'll start with Ernie Barnhurst saying, both Triores suck. Uh, Michael Rudd saying, miserable second half. Uh, Brad Wolf need to finish. Uh, Seth says, woulda, coulda, shoulda. Uh, Alton says one man team. Uh, Stee Robotham says second half awful. Chris Woodley zero final ball. Tom Jones good then awful. Uh, Macavilla safe from relegation. So I guess that's positive. Uh, Tim Weiss uh, 40 goal achieved. And then one second here I will switch over because I asked again today for the last call. So I'll get some of those people on here so they don't feel neglected. Where are we here? Oh, there we are right there. Uh, Sam Ramsey Stoke saying room for improvement. Uh, Christy saying not going down and we'll finish with Eddie M saying thin looking bench. So thank you all for getting involved. As always, you can tweet us at 7,500 to Holtz. I'll pan it back to Simon. Simon, who do you give your match ball to? Um, I thought there was a few people that had like pretty decent games. Obviously, then Watkins did have a really good game, but he didn't score. I mean, he obviously came close with one off the crossbar, but he should have really shot instead of squaring to Troyore. So that kind of makes me put him down a notch. I think I'll go, 
I'll go for Tyrone Mings, actually. I thought, I thought he had a really good, solid game. I loved the one challenge he put on Neto in the first half when he no-nonsense, smacked the ball out of the ground, but walloped into Neto as well and let him know he was there. I, I do like a good old-fashioned centre-half challenge like that. And I thought he moved the ball about quite nicely. Konza, if he'd have stuck one of those two chances away, would have nicked it for me. But uh, no, I'll, I'll go for Mings. I thought he was really good. No, that's more than fair enough. Danny, how about you? If you were going to give me, um, if I was going to say just the first half, I would have gone John McGinn. Just thought he was putting himself about so much, you know, putting in a lot of tackles. Unfortunately, um, our midfield completely disappeared second half for some reason or another, um, which really annoying because it just allowed Wolves to, to take a foot on the game. So um, whilst I'm not saying that's McGinn's fault um, on his own, you know, Sanson had a slight injury, didn't he? Um, yeah, I can't give it to him. Because, yeah, midfield went disappeared. Uh, went disappeared. Um, Al Mohammedi's in with a shout, and then you know Trezeguet as well. I will say about Trezeguet, even though he can't score at the moment, he can't buy a goal. You know, he made four tackles and won four aerials, which you know, pretty solid for for a little winger like him. Um, I, I thought I thought he did a lot of hard work, but. Yeah, I'm gonna give it to Emmy just for the save, just for the just for the save against Cody. Because if it wasn't for him, this would have been another one 0 defeat sob story. And I know, and you know, if you can if you can give a striker man of the match for scoring one goal, um, I'm gonna give Emmy Martin. He's uh, Martin as a, a man of the match for for making one big save. So no, that's, that's yeah, if if you want to apply both <laughs> both okay. sets of logic here, I give it to him. But yeah, yeah I think outside out, outfield players. El Mohamedi, Trezeguet, McGinn, to be fair, all put themselves about. Yeah, 100%. I mean, I'm going to go with Emmy Martinez as well. I mean, he's just ridiculous. <laughs> like, he's going like, to, there's no doubt in my mind, he's going to break uh, Brad Friedel's record. I don't even know what it is. Do either of you guys know? What record? Most clean sheets, apparently, in the Premier It's 15. League. 15. For Villa, I would say, I, not all time. Yeah, 15. <laughs> Friedel, and I think, to be fair, Bosnich as well, got 15, I think, in the 95, 96. I think it's a joint record, so he's only one behind now. He, he's beating that. There, there's no yeah. doubt in my mind. I mean, what a what a debut season. Oh, it's unbelievable. So I, I, I mean, last summer, um, I remember chatting with a friend of mine who used to work for Arsenal. He works in the HR department, and like, he still knows a few people there. And we were chatting, and we... like. We were saying, why, why are they getting rid of Martinez? Like he's, he's clearly their better keeper. <laughs> I, just, I can't believe you got him for so cheap as well. Hey, it's it's the Villa way now. We, we find good deals apparently and they work out. So I'll take that all day. But of course, I think we still have around 10 minutes or so of this call. So we're going to try to do something a little bit different. Uh, hopefully you guys enjoy just to fill some time uh, with what we do have left. And it's a bit of guess who. So it's just one player. Um, really quick in, in Villa's past, I guess you could say 10 years or so to make it uh, simple enough for some younger people in the fan base as well. So Simon, Danny, you guys ready to play? I don't know. I guess I could have came up with a special name, but we'll just call it Guess Who. Yeah, go on. <laughs> pretty, I'm pretty sure that's trademarked, Cole. Um, okay. <laughs> who is this Villa player? Ta-da. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> If you guys have something better, I don't know. But anyways, let's go with it. So I'll just basically go through little hints. Um, and after every hint, each of you can have a go. If not, just say pass. And uh, we'll go from there. 
So we'll start with his uh, date of birth. So I was born on November. Uh, wow. November 16th, 1984. So he's 36. Pass. <laughs> wait, wait. Who's this going to? Either of you. You can just say both say pass, basically. Al- Alan Hutton. No, <laughs> it's not Alan Hutton. <laughs> I, I, I did not pick him because I knew that was going to be your first is, answer. <laughs> is that the only information we're getting? Okay, okay. Yeah, no, so just a, no, no okay, it's right, a start. Okay. So it, yeah, okay, it fine, gets fine, a little fine. bit more specific. Uh, right, he was born in Camden, England, and he's six foot tall. So maybe that'll help a little bit more. Hmm. Londoner 36. So if he has to be in that little height range, it might give you a, kind of a sense of what position he plays. Just saying. Is it Kieran Richardson? No. <laughs> I should say you only get one guess around two. Oh, sorry, um, sorry, 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 sorry. No, that well, that this is the next round. So yeah, right, I've okay, kind of fine. butchered this, but we'll we'll get better at this as we it's go. Okay, it's not Kieran <laughs> Richardson. So yeah, that narrows your pool down a little bit, Simon. <laughs> um, I'm really struggling. Uh, you can just say pass if you don't. Yeah, pass. Go on. Fair enough. I need more information. <laughs> okay, so uh, I began my youth career at Spurs from 1998 to 2000, where I then moved on to Northampton Town. Mm. <laughs> Your faces. <laughs> uh, okay. No, it's not Alan Hutton again. Simon Dawkins. No, yeah, I think it's, it's not. Is it? No, no. <laughs> I started his youth career at Spurs. I'm guessing he's older than 36. I'm going to guess Wayne Routledge. Uh, no. So we'll go on to the round three. So I began my senior career with Northampton Town. Um, I then moved to, um, well, I guess he had loans at uh, a Kettering Town. And then he moved permanently to Blackburn Rovers, uh, where he spent time from 2008 to 2012. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Blackburn my God. I know, yeah. I can't tell you the position because it just gives it away. No, no, it's fine. It's yeah. fine. So, okay. You te- did you tell us that... Were you saying that this is a Villa player from around 10 years ago? Is that what you were saying? Within the last 10 years. Within the last 10 years. Who do we have from Blackburn? I, I know that's, what's, that's really fine. Now. Well, here, I'll give you a little bit more. Um, he then had loan, or I guess I could pretend to be him. I then had loans in 2009 to Leicester City. Um, and Sheffield United as well. I feel like the next two teams will give it away so easily. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair enough. Uh, this I'm going to feel so stupid when you say it. It's sounding like a journeyman, isn't it? Yeah. It's starting to yeah. sound like a journeyman. Should you, do you guys both want to pass? I can go on to the next one. It'll probably give it away. But I feel like... Yeah, yeah. go on. Okay. Wait, hold on. Okay, Danny. Yeah. No, no, no. It's not okay. him. It's not him. Don't worry. Don't worry. Fair enough. I then moved to Norwich City in 2012 for an undisclosed fee, uh, marking a two-year deal, um, and then made. Actually, I think he made his uh, debut against Villa as well. Oh, okay. Is it? Is it Grant Holt? Simon, what's your guess? Um. Oh my God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> oh no! I no pass. Okay, it's it's no it's not Grant Holt. I then, my turn? Uh, oh, well, okay, cool. I'll give you the, the next one. I then moved to Aston Villa on July 9th, 2015 as a free yep. agent signing a two-year deal. I know who it is. I know who it is. Wait, no, it's 2015. Yeah. 
shit. No, I don't. So this is this is uh, this is what Sherwood time. I think I'm gonna feel so stupid. I think by the end of this, genuinely. Oh my God. Norwich to Villa for a free <laughs> transfer, <laughs> and it wasn't Shred. Paul Lambert that signed him. So that's what's thrown me off. It might have been. I can't remember. It doesn't say, but anyways. He made his uh, debut in the League Cup match against Notts County, and Villa won 5-3. No, I mean, I, I can't... Oh, my oh. words. No, it's not even him. The, the final one should give it, so if you guys want to pass it, I can say it. I feel like this is a really bad advertisement for this podcast. But... <laughs> ah, it's, it's, yeah. yeah, we know nothing, so there we go. Um, final question... Uh, actually, well, yeah, okay, we'll we'll see where we go here. I'm just kind of doing this on the fly, but anyways, um, I saved a penalty on the 16th of January, oh, 2016, against Riyad Mahrez. Oh, so is Mark Bond. I've got it, Mark Bond. Yeah. <laughs> I go. thought it was Mark Bond, but the 2015 <laughs> threw me off. Uh, the last question that I found is I was released during the 2018-19 season. <laughs> Wait, so Mark Bond came in 2015? Yes. July 15, Jeez. 2015. Why or July 9th, like I should it was say. way longer. Way longer yeah, I, I, yeah, it feels like he'd been around for, for years and years. He actually follows the uh, the Twitter account, so... I was thinking Andy Marshall. <laughs> oh, my God. So that's why I was thinking 2015 is too late. Yeah. yeah. I, I just wasn't even thinking of a goalkeeper, to be honest. I, was, <laughs> I just assumed it was going to be an outfield player. Well, here here's the great advertisement for our guests who are who is that Villa player? I guess I could say, ta-da! I don't know. We'll figure out a better name. Have you, for have it. you got another one? Uh, no, that's it. We're running out of time anyway. So uh, <laughs> it was just a teaser. Maybe it wasn't the best teaser. I'll uh, I'll write down some better questions next time, and we can have some more fun with this. But if you guys both enjoyed it, we can do it next time. Yeah, but now I know how obscure you're going with the players. <laughs> well, I have to. If I say Alan Hutton or something, it's just <laughs> yeah. far far too easy. But uh, Anyways, guys, we'll wrap it up there because we only have a couple minutes left in this call. Anyways, thank you very much to Danny and to Simon for joining me. If you want to find uh, Danny on Twitter, I should say it's at Razajurno. If you want to find Simon on Twitter, it's Cy O'Regan. You can follow me, Cole Penham, on Twitter at Talk Aston Villa. Tweet the team at 7500 Holt. Email the podcast, Holtcast at gmail.com. We'll wrap it up there. Hopefully a good result against Newcastle uh, on Friday. And don't forget, up the Villa. Treat mom to healthy, glowing skin with Osea's limited edition skincare sets. Osea has been making clean, seaweed-infused products for nearly 30 years. Their Golden Glow body set includes three clinically proven bestsellers for smooth, glowing skin. While the Glow & Go facial set provides spa-level results at home. Both sets come in giftable boxes with savings up to $48 and free shipping for a limited time. For 10% off your first order site-wide, go to oseamalibu.com and use code MOM.